0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the 13th year podcast. This is episode number, what is it, 22? 22. I'm Tim McGorry. And I'm Jack Salvin. So, excuse the micro microcycle. Micro motorcycle here. Uh, so this episode has been a little late. Today is the 25th, which means that it's been almost a week and a half, right, since our last recording. We re- our last recording was the day after the Super Bowl, so a lot of time has passed yeah it's been a while it has it has been a while, and I think it was like just a week or two ago that we were praising ourselves for basically sticking to a weekly episode, <laughs> yeah, but, when
1: you were in Puerto Rico, yeah. so yeah. kind of face planted
0: well, I don't I, th- so this will come out a little late, but um for good reason for good reason, which I'll get right into in a second here, but we're thinking that the next episode is going to be right back on schedule, so it's going to be basically back-to-back recordings. But uh, this will be out as soon as possible, and then episode number twenty-three will be out on you know the regularly scheduled Tuesday release. So don't fret. No episode, no week was missed. It's just a little late, uh, and I'll I'll get right into you know why it was late and what has been just a ridiculously busy two weeks. But uh, first, you know, just how you doing? It's been a little while
1: uh you know I'm I'm doing not too much as I mean there's been one big thing I did end up going to Montreal which I'll talk about I'm sure but uh since then uh which was this past weekend so since then uh it's been a lot of very monotonous just kind of how it was before uh kind of past few weeks where not too much has happened hasn't been super fun here or anything very boring but hopefully that'll change
0: yeah so it's been you know decent at target and walking some dogs enjoying the snow
1: yeah well actually we we pretty much all the snow melted so we didn't really have snow for probably the past three days and the temperature i think it got into like the mid 40s a few times uh but last night it snowed actually way more than i thought I'm really bad at estimating like how much snow we got, so I don't want to give a solid number, but uh, you need boots to go outside. So, if that yeah, gives you I, a general
0: idea. I was getting texts that it was about 10 inches of snow, which is crazy. Yeah,
1: especially you know, just overnight.
0: Yeah, that's that's legit. Um, I know it's it's like it would be a snow day if we were still Oh yeah, definitely. But I think, so this happened during the school break. So, you know, you hate to see a big snowstorm during break when it's a missed snow day opportunity. But
1: Yeah, I mean, most people, I think, are uh, elsewhere now that we can pretty much fully travel.
0: Yeah, so speaking of some travel, after, you know, you've been promising the listeners a trip to Montreal for i don't know a long time now and and i my bet was on the over that you would not make it down but you finally made it i saw some nice pictures on your uh, nice little instagram post so you know how was the trip and uh i got some follow-up questions but so i guess i'll just start with that how was the trip
1: uh yeah so the trip was uh very fun uh it was pretty cold when we went there was a uh, snowstorm that was happening but you know that's how Montreal is so uh, authentic experience in that respect we probably should have done more research on what we should be doing because there were a few times where it was just like what do we do we're in the hotel room but we did have a solid probably day uh, and we were only there from friday afternoon to sunday morning so we weren't there very long but saturday we filled up pretty well it's just kind of that morning and friday evening that uh we probably should have planned a little better for but uh yeah i mean we just kind of hit all the easy to get to landmarks from downtown uh, around mcgill walked through the mcgill campus a bit uh, couldn't get into any of the buildings just because of you know security reasons obviously you need to student card and stuff to get into most buildings and uh montreal and canada as a whole is still pretty strict with covid which has been lessened a lot in new york uh, by the way so you masks everywhere and uh you got to show your vaccination card to go into restaurants and stuff so couldn't get into any of the uh university buildings just because of code restrictions and stuff but we walked around the campus we went on I don't really want to pronounce it in French because there's a lot of R's. But the big Ferris wheel in Montreal that's on the docks. Give us a pronunciation.
0: That. Come on, you're you're a couple of weeks into Duolingo. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh,
1: Le Grand Rue? Rue? I don't know. It it sounds it, good like to me. The, it's like the big wheel or something. The Grand Wheel, I think. Um, but that was super cool. Got some really cool views of the city. Uh, Just kind of went down to that dock area. I'm sure it has a more formal name. And just, it's right next to Old Montreal. So, walked around that and went to the uh, Basilica, the Notre Dame Basilica, and just kind of walked around, got a feel for the city. Uh, I really love it. It's a super cool city. Um, It seems like there's a lot more to do that we didn't do just because of our time restrictions and. We didn't want to go too far away from the campus just because that's where I'll be spending most of my time, anyways. Um, but it's super cool to hear probably like 75% French around you. And uh, everyone uh, announce or says hello by saying bonjour, hi. And you say hello because you're a stupid American and you don't understand French. Um, everyone has a very weird accent, uh, which is just kind of cool considering how close they are to uh, just Outlaws and Albany and New York and obviously the um, as far as like the northern United States we don't have too much of a accent variation especially compared to most parts of the world mm-hmm. so for it to be such a radical change it is a little bit like oh like I didn't expect it to be that big I thought it would be like a little bit but it fully sounds like uh like these people clearly grew up natively speaking french so just kind of cool to hear Um, yeah oh
0: it's i mean it's you feel like you're in a completely foreign city which is not the case for all of canada just by i mean how far is it from outlaws it's just a couple hours it's like four hours yeah so it's not that much longer than i mean it's just not that much longer than going to the city going to boston i mean I don't know. I, I'm not going to let you get away too fast there. So you walked on the campus. Thoughts on the campus?
1: Uh, uh, I mean, like I said, we just were able to walk on the main walkways, and it was super. Like, sun, Saturday was the day where it was all snow. Um, there's a word for it, but it's like quick bursts of a ton of snow. Uh, and it was literally like an hour. One hour, you could maybe see like 15 feet ahead of you. And then the next hour would be clear blue skies. And it was just on and off for most of the day. So it was kind of nuts. But uh, the architecture there is beautiful. You can clearly tell which buildings are university buildings and which buildings are not. Uh, Its campus is kind of like Northeastern. If you've ever visited there, I know a lot of people in the Northeast visit there for college visits and stuff, uh, where it's like there's clearly a campus, but it's very well integrated into the city. Um, and that's kind of what I expected, but, uh, it was just kind of cool to see how well it's done, especially with the back of the campus kind of going into, uh, the main park on Royale. Uh, and it's just cool. The architecture is cool. The layout seems good. It's like all close enough where you can walk pretty much everywhere. Uh, the dorms are all pretty close to each other. So seems like there's kind of a community area and then there's a learning area Mm -hmm. um so yeah campus seems great uh the city seems great it seems very it's still not like european city level walkable but compared to a lot of um standard u.s cities it's definitely more walkable uh the car traffic isn't as crazy Uh, a lot of pro-pedestrian stuff no right turns on red which i think is pretty common in most u.s cities right i know you can't do it in new york city but yeah um,
0: yeah it's it's i remember there being some some pretty walkable like some of the old montreal area um but and like we were in the downtown
1: which downtown i feel like can either be hit or miss like downtown new york pretty walkable most of new york is but you know, other cities and stuff, it's tougher to walk. There's a lot of car infrastructure. And then out further out in the city, it gets kind of more residential. So I imagine that you're probably in one of the worst pedestrian areas, but it still seemed pretty good. So that was pretty promising. And I guess related to that, the uh, metro in Montreal is amazing. Did you get to take it at all? We used it a lot. Uh, it is the cleanest metro I've ever been in in my entire life. And it's so impressive. It's so good. I'm very cleaner, excited to use it a lot. Cleaner than
0: I guess what what's your comparison here? You've been on the T in Boston. You've been Boston, on New York. The New York uh, subway, the under, London underground.
1: Yeah, cleaner than all like those are kind of the when you think of big uh, public transport things, I guess. That an American might have been to, I should say. Uh, I I feel like those are the ones you'd immediately think of, and definitely cleaner. It, it's not as like sprawling. Uh, I think there's only
0: it's a decent amount actually. We it there's is only I a would few say lines,
1: but they go pretty much everywhere.
0: I don't know if we discussed it on a recording or not, but you and I were chatting, and it's like the fifth most populated subway system in the world something it was something like that right, right? maybe
1: i think it was like the second most trafficked public transit system in north america maybe
0: yeah it was second to the it, to new, york. new york it may i it don't may know. Have been it, either it, like
1: second it, or third it was definitely top five
0: it it was very impressive, and I remember when me and Will were in Montreal and we took it. I mean, it was like we felt like we were in a different country because it was like so clean. You heard no English because it was no English. We were, it was it's you better it's know a really, how it's all pronounced. Yeah, it is a very interesting place, and this is your first time visiting, so you're gonna you know and very soon be living there and spending the next at least four years there. So from not yeah. ever visiting to have you know with your new perspective here are you happy with with your choice uh amidst the you know pandemic and not being able to visit
1: uh yeah i mean it seems like a very livable city which there are a lot of cities that are fun to visit but don't really seem amazing to live in i feel like uh, yeah and this just feels like a very livable city in a lot of different aspects. So that's more important than, to me at least, than uh, being in, I don't know. I can't, I don't want to, I can't really think of one off the top of my head and I don't really want to insult some random city. But some city that doesn't seem as livable, but they might have some more uh, entertain like entertaining, iconic, massive like mega city type do you things. see new york yeah i feel like new york is fairly like livable but yeah i'd say probably new york maybe like
0: manhattan it, not as comforting i'd say like yeah. montreal i remember visiting and being like this seems like a comforting city While new york yeah. is like it's not yeah, comforting that's accurate. yeah maybe that's, i think that's a better know.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. That's that's a better uh, description. Um,
0: so my two other questions for you, um, as this truck goes by, are first, did you hike uh, Montréal?
1: No, there did, was too much snow to do uh, uh, the park. Unfortunately, I did want to do the park quite a bit. Because the um, park... I mean, you got to like, get non-stop. a view
0: from the, from the wheel, but the park gives a great view looking over into the bay and uh second question is how is the food i mean it's known for oh there's some you know crepes you know croissants poutine bagels pastrami like there's some Montreal specialties how much did you try and what are your thoughts
1: uh so we probably we didn't really do the best job of getting probably like great authentic food um just we went on a weekend with a lot of storms or a lot of places closed uh but montreal has the second highest restaurant per capita in at least north america behind of course new york city so there's restaurants all over the place and uh didn't get too many unique things unfortunately i kind of i wanted to try poutine i thought i'd have a better opportunity to get a more authentic thing of it but i just didn't really work out so i'll have to try that later but i did get some of the bagels and i learned a little bit about them and why they're a bit different than you know the classic new york bagels that we're used to uh they're they put them in like honey water and it's all hand rolled and stuff so they're sweeter and less puffy than new york ones and cr- i'd say crunchier on the outside um and they kind of taste like uh what are they called rolled gold pretzel is
0: that what you yeah say? yeah I, I think they're good i think i don't think they're as good as a new york bagel but they're definitely good i uh
1: i disagree <laughs> i think they are better than a new york bagel personally
0: well when I when I when I went, I remember them not like having everything bagels. Like that's not a thing. They have they have some specialties, they do. but
1: I think they do, but I don't think I think their everything bagels are more like there's a lot of sesame seeds and then there's a few other things, but it's not as everything as you'd find in New York.
0: Yeah, like in New York everything we're getting the sesame poppy Onion, a little bit of garlic, like that's that's as good as a bagel gets. So, anyway, so so you didn't get any poutine, no crepes, no croissants. Uh, no. Jack, <laughs> come on now. That,
1: you... that was kind of an L. Although, like I said, like the more authentic places just were not open when we were there, so that I didn't want to get that, it from some the, chain. Press. No,
0: bad. That is a bad excuse. You give yourself too many excuses sometimes. You gotta. That's part of the experience is you just got to get it. I'm not totally
1: sure if they're known for, like, crepes and stuff. They are. The the one thing that I regret, like, I definitely should have gotten poutine. Uh, Croissants or croissants or however you say it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Crepes. I'm not as bummed about missing out on, but I definitely should have gotten poutine. I will agree with you on that.
0: Well, fortunately, you'll be back
1: yeah and uh, it I should also just kind of mention, obviously drinking age and stuff is eighteen in uh, Montreal, so it is kind of cool to be able to like we sat at a few bars and stuff and it just just make you feel more accepted as in not like a as a young adult, I guess like in the us did you get a pie like with? The band? A big, I did not. Um, oh come on we only sat at like two bars so i i probably over exaggerated that but um
0: i mean that's two opportunities to get a pint with dan uh
1: but it i feel like it is like a like you don't really realize it until you've been to a place where the drinking age is 18 and it's just accepted and normal but it, it is kind of a big barrier between feeling like you're still a kid and that you're like an actual young adult in society. So, I don't know. You just feel more mature and stuff, even if you're not actually drinking, just knowing that you're able to and there's no barrier behind maybe showing your ID. But even then, like, they never checked it or anything before I sat down. So,
0: Well, they wouldn't check it before you sit down. They'd check it when you say... No, they do in the U.S. Oh, Uh, like at a bar, you mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it sounds like it was an exciting trip, and it's you know, I think you know, I've I've been we've everyone's been waiting to hear Jack's opinions on Montreal for months now, so it seems like a positive experience and a good trip. Yeah,
1: definitely. But uh, on the other side of the spectrum, I uh, I feel like a lot of the things you've been going through in uh, Puerto Rico haven't been so positive so you want to talk about that
0: yeah well i mean that's a little bit of a depressing way to get into it it
1: well i think you actually haven't told me much about it so just kind of what i've gathered it seems like there've been a lot of frustrations
0: yeah yeah it definitely so so we did our last recording on the, the 14th the day after the super bowl today you know as i mentioned earlier is you know, eleven days since the last recording, and it has been a busy eleven days. Of course, we would have recorded uh, this week's episode a while ago if it weren't for all that's been happening around here. But uh, you know, the past you know five months, I've been working on the project through the Let's Share the Sun Foundation here and Casa Pueblo, the local partner in Arjuntas, uh, the town in Puerto Rico here, and. Through those five months with my local partner, we've evaluated 200 and like two sites I think we have in our database and ranked every single one of them and called them. And, you know, in total, I think after this, you know, past two weeks, we've probably done like 120, 130 site visits. So it has been a lot of prep um, for this project. And In the past week and the past two weeks, things have really gotten rolling. The past week we've been, we started the installs. So in the past two weeks, some of the materials started coming. I know in the last recording I discussed how we had a little bit of trouble when the panels got delivered, how they decided to pave the road the exact hour that our truck driver was coming. So he was just waiting out here and it was just a little bit of craziness, but it wasn't that bad. But a few days after our last recording, uh, we were all of our other materials from the distributed the specialty solar distributor in San Juan. So that's basically everything except for the panels. All the uh, you know inverters, switch controllers, mounting systems, screws, all the specialty parts were set to come on that Thursday, and they about like. A third of them came, and it was a whole complication of arguing with the company and driver here. And some of the stuff was just, like, dropped off on my front porch. And, like, it was, like, I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment just in my driveway, so... (laughs) I just like move all these batteries and inverters just into my bedroom here. So for a couple days, I mean, I'm still sleeping with all this solar equipment and we were short on a whole bunch of materials. So we, you know, yelled at the distributors and they came back a couple days later with some of the missing stuff. And anyway, it resulted in us having uh, enough equipment to finish four installs, but not the four that we were hoping to for this week as my boss and the founder of the foundation and a solar expert and technician both from the Albany area came down to work on these installs. So they came um, on the 19th uh, last Saturday and after just a crazy busy day here, they were like that chorus and band practices and they were doing a uh, like a photo and video workshop and it was just a whole bunch of craziness happening here. And then uh, the, you know, my boss and the technician expert came down and then from Sunday until Wednesday, so those four days, we were doing a system a day. So of the houses that were selected, we were up at six thirty and from sun up to sundown, installing a solar system to completion every day. So Jeez. it was it was like I mean I was kind of reflecting, I was like, I don't know if I've ever had this amount of work kind of continuously, like in my life, like working like manual labor from sunup to sundown, you know, out of the house when the sun's rising and back at like 8.30, nine, like very long days. But uh, the first four days went relatively smooth. You know, there were, of course, hiccups where we we're missing parts and driving around the town, driving as to different hardware stores trying to find certain screws and water seals and uh hardware wood to put up you know reinforce people's walls and a whole bunch of you know those kind of complications. Does a mailed man's waving to me here. Um so like it got exciting driving around trying to find all this stuff. But anyway, four days, four systems more or less obviously lot of troubles and complications in there. But most importantly, we got them done. And then yesterday, uh, Thursday, we spent the day driving around to the next six homes. Um, so we have another group, a big group, 24 people coming in a week and a half for the like second uh, week of install. So next week is going to be a lot of Prepping for that, you know, it's gonna be a whole choreographed trip. Um, you know, it's like we're planning like a summer camp for these twenty-four people. Of you know, yoga in the morning, getting their coffee, you know, breakfast catering, working on the houses, nightly activities, throwing a little party. So it's gonna be like a whole wait, where where are they plan? Coming so had So, it's some students from Notre Dame and then uh, representatives from three solar companies. So, uh, some very big solar companies, executives from Chicago, uh, from Indiana area, and then from New York. So, it's going to be a Cricos. lot of people coming. It's going to be a lot of students and... You know, the last several months of work have kind of culminated in this past week of installs and the coming week of installs. And it's going to be stressful uh, because we're still short on materials and making sure those come, coordinating to make sure we have all the tools because really these people are coming down with most of them no solar expertise and obviously you need some specialty tools to get these jobs done so uh, they're gonna come down it's gonna be craziness but it should be great and if it works out uh, it should be fulfilling for everybody and uh, yeah that's kind of where I've been at so we've been trying to record for a little while now but I've been you know literally out of the house for all of the day and then we would go out uh, to get like a nice dinner and every night after we would finish working when it's dark so i literally have been home for so you know i've haven't been home and awake in the past uh week for more than like 15 minutes a day so it has been absolutely crazy but it's been it's been really rewarding and fulfilling that the last 5 months of work have has resulted in uh you know four of what will be 10 systems being done so I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but hopefully I kind of was able to describe all that has been going on for this past little time here.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it sounds like a lot. <laughs> and it sounds like there's still quite a bit to be done. So when are you yes. guys projected to be like fully done with the installs? And then what comes after all that? Or is so, there anything after
0: that? Yeah, so we're going to try to do... Uh, four installs with the group here, and then Julio, the local uh, technician, and myself and my partner from Casa Pueblo will finish the remaining two installs, uh, like March fifteenth to twentieth. So we're hoping we're hoping to have every system up by the second third week of March. So then, luckily, there's another project that I'm involved with that I'll be working on. I don't really want to discuss too much of it on the pod, but uh, very exciting. Did a site visit uh, for another project yesterday, and it's really cool, and I think it will work out outstandingly, but I don't have really too many details to share on that. But basically, after we finish uh, these 10 installs for the Proyecto Cucubano, the first project, and the project that I initially came here to do, I have another project that I'll be doing for the next month, month and a half and trying to get a complete plan uh, for that. And, uh, and then I'm hoping that after that is done, I have a little bit of time here to spend some time on maybe other parts of the Island and to kind of do some non work related, uh, you know, just interesting things, which I really haven't been able to do too much of since I, except for when I first got here is, some hikes and camping and finding some of these cool experiences. Uh, so I'm hoping that we finish these 10 houses by mid-March, spend the next month into April, maybe hopefully by, the, by May the plan is done for the other project. And then, you know, for the f- week or two in May, I can spend some time on the rest of the island doing some cool stuff before probably coming home mid mid to late May. So that's kind of the plan going forward. It, uh, you know, it's, you know, kind of repeating myself here, but it's been really fulfilling that, you know, the last five months of work have resulted in, uh, you know, a great week. And I'm looking forward to the next week installs and beyond.
1: Yeah, it must be good to see, like, all this work turn into a tangible thing in the solar panels.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like the houses that we were doing this week, I have visited these houses, you know, four or five, one of them, six times. So like, I kind of, like, I know these people now, uh, one of the houses, you know, every time they know we're coming, they like, are like, what do you want to eat? And they'll, they've kind of like made, like after they were selected, they invited us to like a dinner when we were doing one of the site visits. So I know some of the people really well, from visiting their house from them coming here and some of the projects that have been happening. Uh, so it's been nice. Like I've actually, you know, gotten not close, but I actually know these people and, you know, the systems are actually functioning. And aside from that, I, I mean, I feel like I learned so much about the actual install of a system because, you know, obviously I had done, like an install when I was in Haiti, but since it was really just the three of us, three and sometimes four of us doing the install, I was there from beginning to end. And you really see like how it works and it was fascinating.
1: Yeah. Have you, like you've done some of the installs on, for these families that you've kind of uh, gotten to know? have there been any moments of them like thanking you or anything like that? Like any, I don't know, heartfelt moments or wholesome, like, oh, we're yeah. so glad that you guys put these up.
0: Yeah, the, the first house we did, uh, the, the father of the owner of the house is bedridden and has, uh, you know, some medical machinery keeping him alive and like in the little back room of the house and he's blind, but he can still hear and talk. And after we finished, he like told his son. He was like, "Please invite him in." So we go in and say, and he expresses thanks. And it was a really nice moment uh, because you know, this like like he is completely blind, but he's just talking to us, and he was so grateful. And it was very nice. And I don't I don't love I don't love kind of getting that kind of attention uh, attention, but you know, it was nice. I think the funnier story is uh one of the houses that we did the guy gives me like a gallon of moonshine uh, as part of his thing so i have right next to me here just a large thing of moonshine that i don't know what i'm i'll probably have to find someone to give it to as a gift i'm like thank you i don't know what i'm gonna do with this because i can promise you i'm not drinking your this sketchy liquor by myself in my apartment here my apartment slash course meeting room but i thought that was a pretty funny gesture but yeah it was good people were very thankful and it was nice since we had such a small group that the families you know those who were able were up on the roofs with us uh one of the houses there was a little there's like a 5 year old kid who was helping us the whole day and it was it was really nice
1: and uh i guess this all kind of leads into kind of your whole experience here and stuff. Uh, Obviously this concept's been around for ages and it's only been talked about more as this kind of stuff has been brought up more in the mainstream. Have you felt, especially like now, and I guess probably more so in the beginning as well, any sense of uh, kind of being like the white knight type thing? If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I feel like I felt a little bit of that. Um, but Our that really savior. wasn't that's yeah, that's, I was gonna say you you messed up the
1: Yeah, I knew I messed it up a little, bit, up, a little that, bit there.
0: Right? But I don't know I don't I, I don't think I've really felt any of that and that's been good. I mean the the project here, like so when we went to Haiti it was a lot of that and kind of it's like a pure mission trip kind of thing here. What's interesting is like, yes, the people are in need, but a lot a, a big component of the project is, is a sort of lobbying for how solar can really help people's lives. I mean, the mission of one of the, one of the main initiatives of Casa Pueblo, the, uh, NGO that I'm, that the projects in collaboration with is not, it's not just, Giving people free panels, but showing how energy resilience and energy independence can can really um, improve someone's life, and especially someone with medical machinery. So it's not like uh, it's not like it's a pure mission trip. It's more of a proof of how beneficial of the concepts. technology can be. Yeah. Yeah. So so that's and that's something that we've discussed a lot. Uh, throughout the project no I won't I think I think that that being a part of that initiative is kind of the bigger aspect of the project yeah that makes sense Sorry if I seemed a little distracted there uh, they're shutting down the house here and I had the keys so I was t- trying to communicate that as I gave my little spiel but yeah, yeah it was. It, was, it, it it's, it's being a part of that initiative is is just as important as helping these people who, who have the medical need. And I think that's kind of eliminated kind of that feeling and of, oh, you're just here doing this favor for people who need it. It's, yes, they need it, uh, but it's also proving this concept and a part of the initiative of a very influential organization here on the island.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it sounds like you've kind of gone through the uh, the trials and tribulations of getting all the equipment and putting it up, But it sounds like you're making good progress and are feeling pretty fulfilled uh, throughout that process. So we uh, we here at Abode Media are very glad to hear that.
0: And, yeah, it's uh, been it's been great, and uh, the next two weeks should be just ridiculously busy, but hopefully just as fulfilling as this past week
1: and uh we're quite a bit over where we wanted to be as far as recording time goes and uh obviously a lot has happened in the world in the past week especially with russia and ukraine and uh we did want to talk about that but we don't want to go over time too much so we're going to save that for uh next week's episode but uh in the meantime uh our thoughts are with ukraine and we uh we hope that Russia fucks off.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> spoken like an angel, Jack. So so that brings us to the end of episode number 22 of the 13th Year Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, we didn't have a guest this episode. Uh, we had more than enough content to fill the 40-minute you know, time goal, and we we're a little behind schedule. So our regularly scheduled episode 23 will be out on March 1st. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.